You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Welcome to the Formed and Said podcast, a podcast by and for the Village Church that gathers in downtown Hamilton, Ohio. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here of the Village, and with me today is... Hey, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors as well. And my name is Matt Tucker. I'm one of the pastors as well. (laughs) Very good. Um, So today, this is actually um, kind of like a part two to a little mini-series that we're doing as a supplement to um, Exodus. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, some social justice-y stuff today. Um, do you guys, somebody want to explain kind of like the why we're even digging into this and why social justice would be a thing that we talk about well, you're already right here people. and now? <laughs> <laughs> just by the question. I'm good uh, at that. You mean in light of Exodus? Yeah, and yeah. just in general. Yeah, like why are we bringing it up? Yeah, Exodus. Yeah. And- well, I mean, yeah, we're working through Exodus, which has a lot of stuff that um, then we get to learn from. Uh, our brothers and sisters in God's family from the past and the way that God has interacted with them and just a lot of relevant stuff as it relates to culture around us. Um, why are we talking about today? I, I think just I mean, as maybe really broadly, like people matter, mm-hmm. um, justice matters, um, truth matters, and these legit are like dangerous times. Um to say words, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> because everybody sees the words that you say or, or hears the words that you say, and and maybe even more so, they hear the words that you don't say. And so, like, we're just creating some space, um, not just as a safeguard for me to preach a sermon on, you know, a, yeah. complicated stuff that there's no way I'll deal with. I mean, even one sliver of mm-hmm. all this stuff, and and even in this podcast, we can't even deal with a sliver of the. The narrative, you know, and, and the stuff that's going on. But, yeah, I would say people matter, justice matters, truth matters. We love God's word, and we want to bring it to bear uh, in our own lives and in in dangerous times such as these to to care for the people that God has given us voice to. So, yeah, like literally in the Bible in, in Exodus 22, which Michael was preaching about it, it says laws about social justice. And so we get to say, well, what is, what is social justice, and, and how do we think about it from a biblical perspective? And we see many of these movements in Twitter and in Facebook and, and mm-hmm. all being kind of put on us constantly. We're, we're interacting with these ideas. And I think what's helpful for this podcast is to know how to think about all of these things because mm-hmm. our, maybe knowing it or, or not knowing it, we're being shaped by, by all the voices around us. And so we want to make sure the one that's shaping us the most is, is what the Bible says about these things. And so it's just really helpful today to talk about this. Dude, yeah. Uh, I was listening to Sam Mulberry uh, talk uh, about something else earlier this week, and he just talked about how the culture does a better job of discipleship than the church ever <laughs> yeah, could. And it's I don't think that even is an indictment on the church as much as it is. It's just a symptom of the fact that we are out in the world more than we are gathered, you know, in the church. And the voices mm-hmm. we hear and the things we're exposed to are largely not distinctly Christian biblical voices. And so, yeah. Yeah, and, and to be clear, like, this isn't even the first time we've talked about some of this stuff. You know, like, I think we've done podcasts in the past about some of this and uh, before and last year. Um, maybe we walked through uh, Exodus together, which was in no way about social justice, but it was about God's view of justice. Um, Mike, in light you of, mean Micah? 
Micah, yeah, yeah, what did I say? You said X's. <laughs> oh, yes, whatever. Um, <laughs> my brain is mush today, so uh, that'll be helpful to take a conversation. Um, yeah, we walked through uh, Micah last year, and yeah, and so for us, like, this is uh, this is us striving to, I think, bring discipleship into the conversation. What does that look like? Not because even listening to this podcast, like, like this isn't like a setting the record straight or telling you what to think, because mm-hmm. in a month... Who, like there could be different terms and different words and things take new meaning and all sorts. But even to like hopefully maybe help explore how we can think like a process of even thinking about some of this stuff in general. So um, yeah, hopefully it's helpful. But uh, Michael, you mentioned like it's just dangerous to even say words um, <laughs> about things right now. Uh, what makes even talking about social justice stuff, um, even like not even the, the phrase, but even talking about the poor or the oppressed or marginalized or system like like talking about those things what makes that like dangerous or like a walking through a field of landmines i think one i mean just the 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 word social justice and you know that is loaded because what does it mean and it means different things to different people and we've been in been in rooms where like you know we were reading a book together Mm -hmm. a, a group of men and like you know it was from like maybe written 11 or 12 years ago and the word social justice was in there and like it was like oh we can't you know it's yeah. just like oh that meant something like it, it, just as you yeah. said it meant something different than, or maybe it didn't but mm-hmm. but at least the spotlight was aimed in a different direction and so yeah I mean there, there's skin in the game in different ways when someone hears that um, the, hears any of these words that you're saying I mean social justice poor systems oppression power um, it's just you hear it different ways because of where you sit. Um, there are par- power dynamics that we live in um, that that are like uh, ingrained in a long history of darkness and sin in the country that we live. And so um, everyone has a microphone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, which is a, a real thing. And so, man, and, and then I think real quickly, if it's a theological or if it's a just a compassion conversation, like the the political nature of the climate in which we sit right now makes just any of these words like mean that if you use that word, you're encamped in one side or the other. And, and if that's true, then I know everything about things that are just not true. Yeah. But we just so easily encamp people based on just some of these things. Um, yeah, it's just, it is like a minefield, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah, it's easy to make assumptions really quickly based on one person's paragraph or, or words. And I think what's tough is there's a spectrum for all of this. You know, it's, it's never like all left or all right or political or whatever. And it's so messy and complicated. And I think what pe- people care about this a lot, but it's easy just to all of a sudden think, well, social justice is the government's going to take my money and do this with it. Or, mm-hmm. or the other side is like, we get to be actively be a part of good in the world. And, and, and so there's just this, like, what does it look like? How do we engage? What is too far? What is not far enough? What is helping with a cause, but not saying I'm all for everything that they stand for? There's mm-hmm. so much wrapped up into it. It's just so easy to just like not understand it enough or to think that someone doesn't care. And so we isolate them just because they don't care enough or someone (laughs) cares too much. And well, I don't, and it's just, it is crazy. And so that's why we get to, that's why it's landmines. Yeah. I just, even observationally over the last, honestly, even just the last uh, year and a half, but certainly over the last five years, like just seeing (laughs) like someone who might be a little more left, just 
go way left and someone that's a little more right go mm-hmm. way right. It's like just the polarization. And I think some of this stuff is ideology. Uh, I think a lot of it is, um, some of it is less about the scriptures than we think it is. Some of it's a lot more about politics than we even think that it is. And mm-hmm. I think just the, the linkage between uh, theological conservatism and political conservatism and theological liberalism and political liberal, like we link those things together yeah. and certainly like, I mean, we can't ignore in America, um, yeah, just the, the heightened political polarization in the country. And that's, it's not a, a random blip that it feels like there's some, there's some also some theological splitting as well happening right now. And so, man, I think, and everyone wants to, to co-op like Jesus for their side. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like Jesus didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring the sword. And then, yeah, but Jesus hung out with the sinner and the yeah. poor and the, you know, and so it's like you have people trying to co-opt their version of Jesus to march forward, mm-hmm. whatever they think the, the right way to do Christianity is. Yeah. And um, man, at the end of the day, like that does nothing but actually divide the church and hurt the cause of Jesus. And so, yeah, it's a it's a landmine uh, because it's it's not just theological, it's not just biblical. Um, we we tie it to like the very person that our our faith is named after, um, and we tie it to our political systems and stuff too, which uh, many of us feel very strongly about here uh, in America. And so it's just it's yeah landmines all around, especially when you throw in the fact that these words mean different things to different people. <laughs> it's it's just, it's just crazy. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess before we get into the weeds on even talking about some of this stuff, uh, and I guess I should say on the front end, this is like uh, kind of like a two, a bit of a two-part conversation. This is like teeing up just some broad things in general, uh, as well as talking about Exodus, the, the bit that will be in um, here this coming Sunday, uh, as of the time we're recording this, um, just to kind of help bring some light onto that stuff. And then there'll be a, a part two where we do a, a bit of a... Uh, this lightning round might be like a uh, an unfair rod. Uh, lightning rod. Yeah, lightning <laughs> rod. Yeah, there you go. Um, just hitting on some various facets of you know social justice or critical theory or critical race theory. Hitting on some of the ideas that are embedded there specifically, and how do we think about those things and navigate those together? Um, yeah, but but this part one is more about uh, just a, a, a broad sweeping look at kind of this conversation as a whole. And so before we we jump into the weeds. Um, it might be helpful for us just to kind of share how we've been navigating some of the stuff because it's not like we've been living under a rock for a few years or whatever. And so, how have how have we like been navigating some of the stuff? How have you, like where do you come from? I guess in this conversation. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by that, but yeah. I think um, just maybe posture of of heart and mm-hmm. seeing all these things swim around or whatever for me has been like um, quick to listen. Slow to speak. Um, I mean, I, I think my brain is one of like, I need information to draw conclusions. And so, man, I, I want to hear both, not both sides. I want to hear many sides of stories and and mm-hmm. and all the things to tr- try to fill in gaps. And and so we get to we get to understand that. Um, we're understanding today through lenses of, of history and that clarifies and that clouds, like I would say to a, a husband and wife in conflict, you know, you thought that argument was about whatever dumb mm-hmm. thing the argument was about last night, but it wasn't. It was about all of the things, you know, you're bringing all the, and, and we're doing that. And so I'm just trying to like 
get my head around a, of a lot of things, um, things that I'm ignorant to and things that I'm, you know, growing in. Um, so I want, I, I desire to have like man, a, a big heart and be compassionate to, to those who are suffering and to those who, um, you know, have, have an experience of suffering or whatever. But I also, um, I, I'm, I don't, don't have it in me to like check my head at the door at the expense of my heart. And so, um, that means I'm, I'm not quick to write someone off. Um, I, I do want to just hear what is going on. And so at times it's been, over, over the years, it's been whelming, uh, if not overwhelming, just mm-hmm. in the in the sense of like trying to grapple with lots and lots and lots of ideas and, and things and court cases and, you know, yeah. just all the things. And it's like, it can be... It, it can have like a, a nearly overwhelming sense of just when you're trying to gather all the information just to process, mm-hmm. it's like, my goodness. And so just trying to like sit. Um, and, and then I think and kind of this speaks to the other, um, the social justice as well. Like I want what, what I kind of perceive in a declaration on the other end of sifting to flow from the gospel, not to be the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's where you, you get social justice and, well, that's not, if social justice becomes the gospel, well, then, like, we're in a world of hurt and mm-hmm. we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. If, if activism is is the gospel, mm-hmm. then then you can never win. And so we'll talk about that again. But so for me, it's like, okay, well, what what is true? Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll stop there for now. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. cool. I think just to echo your, it's overwhelming when you try to think of the different movements out there and to know what they stand for and, and why they are about what they're about to then consider the different voices that speak to each of those movements and, and where do they come from and, and what are they saying? And then to think, okay, what should my posture part be in light of the movement in light of the voices around there in light of being a Christian and knowing how to respond like that is just, it's really tough. Yeah. And so, so my, it's kind of your point, Michael, my, my goal, my desire, obviously, in reading through this for this podcast, but also just to, to read more, to be more aware, like I said, to certainly be humble, because I don't know it all, and I'll never know it all, um, and to be mindful just to, in some small way, each day, maybe, like, not better myself, but to just take a small step, because, again, like, this isn't all of our life either, right? Mm-hmm. We we have responsibilities, and we're, we're parents, and we're in, so it would be easy to be so immersed in this. And almost like beat down because we'll never know enough or we'll never be able to solve the problems. But we also are invited into these things, yeah. right? And so there's this balance there of like, it's overwhelming. The call for us is to engage. We're not called out of the world. We're called into the world. At the same time, like, man, it's it's a lot. Yeah, it is. I think 2016 for me, like that summer when there was, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. It feels like there's always something going on racially, tension between uh, people of color and the police and all of that, but riots uh, happening around the country over an incident. And um, I just remember Lecrae tweeting something about um, for like that the, what we're seeing isn't a response to one specific incident, but it's a response to a pattern. Mm-hmm. And I think something that's happened over and over and over again. And that was the first time that something like clicked for me. Like, oh, what I perceived as an over sensationalized response to a thing is actually not a response to one little thing it's which is which is not little uh not belittling you know any particular incident um that that happens between a, a police officer or a person of color but 
like in general, it's a it's a bigger pattern of something. It's like okay, that that actually starts to make more sense, and then like kind of opening that door of okay, maybe there's maybe there's something else like <laughs> that I'm just not getting, yeah. uh, and so that sort of opening up the floodgates, um, like you guys have said, overwhelming like history and culture and who are the voices I need to be listening to and what are the facts, you know, uh, and, and all this stuff and and just even acknowledge like our sense of overwhelming is coming from a place of unfamiliarity <laughs> and like you know we're, we're looking in some ways from the outside in to what other people have been experiencing very personally and so even as we're talking about this being mindful of the fact that like it's overwhelming and has been overwhelming for other people for different reasons for a very long time um and at the same time coming into this from our perspective is also like man it's a, it's a whole new world um yeah and so like i think i ran into what i think lots of people run into which is uh, like, what do we do about this? Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you are starting to see this problem, it's like, oh wait, this this can't keep happening. Like, what do we do about it? Um, and I've had conversations with folks at the village, you know, about this. What do we do now? Now that we like have some more understanding of what's going on and why there's hurt and all this stuff, what do we do about it? Um, and I think even that response, like as a church, learning that lamenting and having a mm-hmm. gospel presence is like is just so important. Um, it's none of this stuff that might be perceived as an injustice or is an injustice. That stuff doesn't get fixed overnight um, in lots of ways. And so, like, man, we we get to, for me, like kind of moving from, okay, what's the fix to having, how do I have, like, a hopeful gospel presence with people, like, in this community, um, within our church, uh, kind of moving from being loud about American history and understanding how we got here and redlining in the city and how our neighborhoods popped up the way they did and all of that stuff to, man, am I being louder about that than I am actually the hope of the gospel? Like just kind of for me, like starting to, to move, not leaving behind, I think, history and context and hurt and all those things, but moving towards, all right, what's it look like for, for me? And how can I influence folks here at, at the village to like have a gospel presence in the midst of all this stuff. And while there's things happening in the country abroad, which like, man, there's just so much stuff to always be feeling whelmed by and reacting to and responding to, like what's happening here in our city, in our community, and even in our church. Mm-hmm. Um, how are people being affected? How we can how can we be there um, or whatever? And then even as we're sorting this out mm-hmm. as a church over the last year, like moving from a place of, if you don't agree with me here or if, uh, if you don't care about this or if you're whatever, then like, like de-escalating some of that stuff from a place of gospel, um, primacy, you know, importance, like of first things to, Hey, I'm I'm pretty sure this person, um, or even this group of people, like we agree on what the gospel is. Right. (laughs) And so like even going into conversations, de-escalating, um, someone's like justification, you know, in Christ in this conversation, yeah. but moving towards like, okay, now we can sort of have these conversations more freely about these other things um, yeah. that are certainly implications of the gospel and our Christianity should influence, but I don't have to like walk into those things with like, like they're calling my Christianity into question yeah. or I'm calling theirs into question. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that's been some of this is my entrance into it, but then also like I think how I've, uh, navigating where I'm at now mm-hmm. in that stuff. So, yeah. Um, so a lot of this stuff comes up uh, as a means of like almost talking about the future of the church um, as we're hitting on you know lots of these things. And as we get into the weeds later um, in the second part of this conversation in particular, uh, some ideas, some things that 
creep into the church ways of thinking that for some people are uh, like alarming um, to church leaders, pastors, um, all that stuff. And so like, I guess for us, as we look at this issue, um, is social justice this like uh, this this thing that's al- making us alarmed for the future of the church? Where is your perspective kind of on that? Yeah, like it would one side is if all of a sudden we actively engage in all this stuff, it could look like we're caving to a system. Hmm. All of a sudden you guys are just blindly, whatever it is, going, yeah. at, you know, letting a political party shape your view on things or you are just going with culture in a mm-hmm. sense and it makes it look like we're just all of a sudden informed by culture. We're, we're getting our ideas and actions and almost like, you know, marching orders from everything happening outside of the church. And that's one side of it. The other side is, is another wrong side is to say, well, this, none of this is really important. That's, that's just stuff happening and people are blowing things out of proportion and none of this really matters, which is not the right side either. And in some way, so there's a middle ground that we get to, to figure out and say, what is our response? What is the church's role in this moving forward? And how do we engage? Not, not caving to a system, but also not sweeping this under the rug and saying people are just dramatic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's not <laughs> yeah. right. I'm not, not sure. saying that at all. And yeah. so it is a danger mm-hmm. because as we move, if we were perfectly down the middle, people will still perceive us one side or the other, mm-hmm. and it, it will be hard to, quote, win, but at the same time we're called to actively engage. So I think that's the danger there because people will be offended. People will leave our church based on um, something we participate in, yeah. or people will, from the other side, say, we're not doing enough, and the church is called to this, and right. it's hard to know, like, well, what is right for the village church? Mm-hmm. And just because the village church is doing something or not doing something or is a part of something doesn't mean that's what's right for the church down the road mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And so that's what we get to walk through, and that's kind of the danger. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the gates of hell will not prevail. And so in the, you know, universal church sense, like, I'm not panicked. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, there's definitely concern um, when allies have become enemies. And that's true, not just, you know, uh, at home, but when you when you read the world's voice. Gosh, you know, it's mm-hmm. like there's there's friendly fire and there are evangelical you know, uh, fault lines, so to speak, that like have put a lot of people that a lot of people trust and, and national, international voices to the church, mm-hmm. um, pitted it, they're, they're really pitted against one another. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, I think Scott, you and I maybe a year ago just chatted about that. It's just like kind of, I mean, that's not, that doesn't make me feel good, you know, and, and we don't like build our uh, foundations based on you know, other people or, or whatever, like we seek the scriptures, but also like the church stands on the unity of the church, mm-hmm. the historic unity of the church. And like, so that's like, I, I don't love that. Um, that doesn't make me feel great. But what does make me feel great is that like um, the church will prevail. And when you look at the history of the church, it's had some really, really, really dark days. And like mm-hmm. from, <clears throat> you know, yeah. going to be snuffed out by Rome and, you know, 10 emperors in a row, like mm-hmm. trying to, to, make it their ambition to like eliminate this movement, this ragtag movement of Christ followers to like just a few centuries later, it being the national uh, religion of Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and honestly, that latter may have been the worse of the two mm-hmm. when you look at the remnant of the church. And yeah. so 
I think the church will be just fine, um, but it, it doesn't feel good uh, to just feel so much division within the church. So Yeah, same. I mean, I think it's it's helpful to have that historical view on it as well. The church has gone through dark times. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not like a doomsdayer at all. I don't think Jesus was either. So I'm not like worried about. I'm less concerned about the future of the church. Um, and to what both of you guys said, like uh, Matt, like, kind of that doomsdaying, the yeah. end is near. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. Like honestly, I think that chicken littling that the sky is falling, like leads towards stirring up fear. And all kinds of other stuff, which is not at all what, the, like, that is that is not our message as the yeah. church is to, like, you know, yell fire all the time about stuff. Like, we have a certainty that in the end, Jesus wins, <laughs> you know, like, the church will be there and justice will reign supreme. And so I think that, uh, the, like, even that vision of the future, super important for any Christian to have, even as we approach this conversation. But I think, like, the... The fear-mongering that can happen on both sides um, or whatever side of the spectrum or part of the spectrum you're on in this conversation, um, it honestly leads towards, like, uh, the ends justifying the means in some way and comes to, like, some pragmatism stuff. And it's like, well, but if you do this now, then it, 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 like, almost belittles either the, the, like, the voices that are hurting um, and that need to be heard or uh, it belittles the fact that, like, the, the church is founded on... Jesus and the gospel and there is truth and there's a way to go like both both sides um, of this conversation like I think could tend towards pragmatism and just absorbing ideas from the culture absorbing ideas from politics absorbing ideas from whatever and it shows that our hope is in something beyond uh, Jesus mm-hmm. and what he has declared and his truth and the spirit uh, and the gifts and all those sorts of things and the victory that he's already won. Um, and instead, like we we just kind of build this foundation of of sand, um, and man, that, that's just not who we are. And so, for, like the present is what's going to carry us into the future. Um, and so, if we're not willing to do the slow work of like seeking the scriptures, listening, trying to understand each other, and all this stuff, like then yeah, the future of the church is pretty bleak. Um, but I think if we're rooted and grounded in what freedom the gospel gives us to have those conversations, and the fact that we do have a common unity in Christ. In the spirit, one baptism, one church, all those things, like as we're walking through this stuff, then I think we can weather this pretty well mm-hmm. um, and come out the other side as more holy, more committed to truth, mm-hmm. and at the same time, uh, a beacon of, of light and justice for our communities. It looks yeah. different than any other social structure or any other organization, you know, in our city. So, um, yeah, uh, less concerned about the future, more concerned about the present for the sake of the future, if that makes sense. In terms of response, uh, I was reminded of Philippians chapter 4, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Well, we could just stop there. That's a good place to start. (laughs) The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the result of that, and the peace of God will surpass all understanding it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on. Mm-hmm. Like You might say, well, yeah, but what do we just not do anything? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Mm. Beautiful. I mean, that's what we get to do yeah. in response to the like f- 
frantic mm-hmm. panic of like, oh my gosh, he said that this is the thing that will make the church. Yeah. Whoever said what it like this is what God said, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, man, so. Um, we are not going to read all of Exodus 21, 1 through 23, 9, which is oh. the, the focal passage oh, that, <laughs> that spurs like this conversation um, and the one last time about slavery in the Bible, um, which if you haven't listened to that, you should listen to that as well. Um, man, but uh, if you want to, you can pause this, go read it, 21, 1 through 23, 9 in Exodus, uh, because I just want to ask broadly, like, um, as we survey that chunk of scripture, there's a lot in there. How would you describe like God's justice, even in just those like two and a half chapters? Mm-hmm. How do we get our heads around that? And he gives so many good examples in there, and then we'll hear some of these on on Sunday. And obviously, anyone listening, to this is welcome to read that passage for yourself. But I think if we're to sum it up, um, God's justice is is caring for for people. It's certainly for all people, but especially the oppressed, marginalized, giving a voice to the lowly. I think it's not as concerned as much about like group or race or class or, or whatever, but mm-hmm. it, it desires that, that love, that, that we would be marked by love, that we would stand up for um, justice and equality for people, um, and that, that we would not intoler- or tolerate injustice, mm-hmm. right? Like, so when we see something, it's not turning a blind eye to it, but it's, it's, it's engaging in those things and, and leading with love and having a mindfulness. Because I think it's easy for me, to be honest, to just live my life, and it's it's what God's calling us to, what his justice is calling us to is having a mindfulness for others' needs around us. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I'd start. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it's countercultural. That's kind of a, a, a big deal. Um, counterculture to the world around them. It's also counterculture to the apparent uh, sin of God's people. And you, you don't give a list of rules if there aren't reasons for those to be like yeah. established. And so like... Again, we, we kind of talked about this, but it's case law. And in many cases, uh, um, it is divine, public, practical wisdom to live justly by loving neighbor. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. And it's like, oh, okay. It doesn't have everything in there. Well, what yeah. about, it doesn't even say, well, yeah, because it, it didn't say that. Like, so use your heart and your head and be reasonable and try to figure out what might be best yeah. in a situation like that. Um it's so interesting that, like, you know, there, there's the uh, the quartet of the vulnerable in Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. And we see that. Just mm-hmm. this is, this is, these are some ways in which um, you can do this in your current context. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the foreigner, or the poor. And, and there are laws, so to speak, mm-hmm. in there that, that address all of those situations. But the crazy thing is it's there are also laws in there that protect the master. Mm-hmm. And so if you just look at that and, and you look at it one-sided, top-down, mm-hmm. but like, no, if you like commit yourself to work for six years, then then that means that you can't only work for three years. <laughs> yeah. And so like, and I think I'll share this on, on the sermon a bit, but like if there is a culture that can understand um, the technicality of, of a contract, mm-hmm. like we're reading in, in this like <laughs> yeah. heart of, it's the U.S. in the 21st century. Sure. At the same time, well, yeah, I'll save the other stuff for the next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's true. Like there is an, you hit it on that too. Like there's an impartiality to God's law, to his mm-hmm. sense of justice. And um, 
And I, I think when we see, uh, not even just in Exodus, but in many, many other places uh, where, you know, God speaks to what is just uh, and, and righteous and, and all those things, man, like w- when we see that we're not to be impartial towards the rich mm-hmm. or the, or we're not to be partial towards the rich or the poor, like we should hear that. Like well, we should hear that because like there is a, there's a danger out of even a, a, a good desire for compassion to, to do something that's actually unjust, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's, mm-hmm. that's different from just trying to restore or make amends or charity or any of those things that are different from that. But it's saying the law is different for you than it is for, for this other person over here because you have much or because you have little. Yeah. And so like the Lord is, is not interested in that. It doesn't make him lack compassion. Um, it just means that in that sense, like we, we get to guard our own hearts around those things. And so, yeah, for for me, like looking at Exodus, you know, you you see justice. I think it's comprehensive. First of all, um, I think by and large we think of justice as like uh, the the common one, at least maybe in our vein of Christianity, is like that retributive, like penalty. You did a bad thing. Here's the punishment. Um, and that certainly is like retributive justice is there. Eye for an eye stuff is here mm-hmm. um, in this passage, and that's actually a restraint. Um, that's meant to like not say no. You, yeah, someone beat out, you know, took your eye, you go take that eye too. Like it's, no, don't take more than the eye. Like don't take two, you know, or whatever. So like, but we see that retributive justice there. We also see uh, restitution, um, like justice for the one who was wronged. Um, not just justice like against the wrongdoer, but the one who was wrong gets to have back whatever it is that he's lost. Or if he can't get that back, there's some sort of payment, you know, to like refill or, or restore what's been uh, what's been taken away. Um, yeah, and then we also see, like, there is this mindfulness, like we've said, for the vulnerable. Um, it's almost like uh, justice that goes out to, like, protect mm-hmm. those who might be the most vulnerable to being taken advantage of um, in the court of law or in the justice system, where it's, like, proactive um, and, and seeks to be, like, impartial. Um, and so there's there's lots of random other things in there, too, but I think, like, those are three big categories that kind of observe there um, as we're walking through it. So, um so all that stuff we just said, like, how does this, maybe how does some of those things connect with, like, the the landmines of social justice that we've kind of hit on a little bit so far? I think by, you might have hit on this a little bit earlier, but by helping um, someone maybe that is involved in racism, it, it could be noted that, like, all of a sudden then we agree with everything, a platform that is also helping with racism mm-hmm. believes understands. And I know, like, just... As an example, I, I know like some of us were part of a, a peaceful protest earlier this year, which we believe was done with right motives and a right heart, caring and, and trying to weep with and, and understand. But that could also be perceived as well. You agree then with everything that maybe a specific platform right. says about this thing, or you're you're all of a sudden now in bed with the political party, and I think that's a landmine there mm-hmm. because we're called to then act and we're called to to help and engage at the same time. Man, it is. It could be perceived as something sinful by someone else, and so how do we communicate our mm-hmm. motives and right heart? And, and we can't let that paralyze us, though, from also engaging. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, guilty by association is yeah. like a real thing that I honestly like. That it's no longer discerning. Like that's not discernment. Yeah. You know, if you see someone engaging in something that seems to be like uh, coming alongside and just simply being there for yep. people that are hurting and saying, Hey, like this wasn't right. Yep. And saying that out loud, 
Like if if you oh well, I'm gonna look at all the people around you that also That's, agree that this is yep. wrong and not right, and yep. say oh well then you must agree with every like. Dude, that's literally what the Pharisees did to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he eats with sinners. Oh, he was yeah. like, no, that's not that's not discernment. Um, yeah. That's that's actually lots of assumption, and that's legalism going into you know that that line of thought. And at the same time, for those of us who are participating in those things, I mean, that wasn't like a like again, like you talked about our motive in doing that. For for me, it was hey, I, I want to come alongside someone in particular. What does it look like for me to support you? If, yep. if this would be helpful, then, man, I, I want to do that for you. And so, like, being there, um, for him, that that was it. But, but we also have to be mindful of where are we at, you know? Yep. When we talk about uh, even, for example, like the, the Pride Parade uh, or Pride events that are happening in June this year, mm-hmm. uh, when that was going to be a live event last year before COVID was a thing, um, even having conversations with people who, like, wanted to, like, be as far away from that as possible yep. or to be there um, and, and be present all with the same theology, hmm. you know, all with the same heart for the gospel uh, and all that stuff. And yet, like, wanting to express that in different ways with different motives. Um, and so it's tricky and it's messy. Yeah. But I think um, the comprehensive nature of God's justice that we kind of see just a sliver of even in here, it does make that complicated. And so it should make us slow yeah, <laughs> to, like, to act and also judge. Another example of that is, like, what we've quoted pastors here who we respect Mm -hmm. maybe on a specific issue or in general but then maybe another part of their life maybe is just like slightly unaligned from what we would agree with biblically and all of a sudden to quote him all of a sudden people might assume that then we agree with every sphere of that pastor's life and and again you're you're making a big jump or a big assumption there and that's just that's dangerous yeah for sure sounds like you're both saying that assumption is dangerous (laughs) am i getting that right that's That's a big assumption Uh, let that not be assumed. Um, man, it's, uh, yeah, it can, it, even just when you read the text, you can so easily create kind of subhuman categories mm-hmm. um, or, or, or um, subhuman group dynamics. Mm-hmm. And, and you can say they're wrong because they sit here or they're right because they sit here. Mm-hmm. And like justice rolls down on, on the righteous uh, and the wicked. And, and I just think that, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, the, the assumption piece is 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 legit so dangerous, and I think we can do that even when we read the text um, like this, and and you can just fill in gaps that just aren't there. Mm-hmm. And so, like getting at the heart of what God is prescribing for His people, um, and and that's what we get to do today. We get mm-hmm. to sit with and demonstrate compassion, and weep with and mourn with, and and speak truth to, and lift up, and all those things. And I think that's what God was encouraging his people to do then as well. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think what I see in this too is, I mean, God does not declare like like some very specific vision of what he wants his people to be apart from like being just and holy and righteous, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like all of this stuff is process. It's like, it's the it, it, it goes back to the present again of like, how are we like playing out and executing justice in real life, like with our neighbor in these specific situations? And I think what you know, what uh, critical theory or uh, critical race theory, social justice, you know, which has no, I mean, again, a million definitions, like, but like there's a, uh, a, a large swath of folks that might find themselves 
uh, buying into that that would say a just society is an equitable society in which everyone has the same amount of stuff and everyone has everything the same. And, and so therefore, like at all costs, we, we do that. And, and that's just not where the Lord starts. No. He literally starts right here where his people are, where slavery is a thing, uh, where like selling your daughter into slavery is a thing, you know, like where, where there are these things that we would look back and say, oh, that's probably not best, you know. Um, and yet he, he goes there and he says, no, this is the process by which like I want you to mediate justice. And if you do that, like if, if we are faithful in executing justice in, in the day-to-day stuff of life, you will have a just society. Right, you will have righteousness flow from that, um, and so yeah, I think it's it's more about the process than it's about some vision. Like on the flip side, I think there are like on, on the other side of things, there are folks who no freedom uh, at no cost. You know, I don't want to bear any burden for anything, and I want my rights and my liberties. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a lack of concern for hey, what we might be able to do to contribute, like on some level to things. But I think even that, like that, is a what the Lord does is he says, yeah, freedom, liberty, rights, sure. Uh, moral purity, absolutely. Like, yeah, caring about what's good for everyone, sure. Mm-hmm. But, like, all those things live in tension with one another, and there's not, like, one vision that wins out. Um, and so I, I think this is why, like, God's vision of justice is something that we can't even comprehend how it plays out. But he, he gives us these case laws in Exodus. He gives us the Ten Commandments. Um, and then the Spirit, by which to hopefully, like, out of love, even enact some of these things today and live out of these things to like make us adjust people, not to, not to live into some vision down the road, but to like be that kind of just people right now. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think maybe you said it earlier, um, ends justifying the means. Right. That, that's what you, it, no, God Absolutely. is like supremely concerned with how we operate with the means. Right. And we get to let him deal with the ends. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, <laughs> We're dealing if we're talking about money, if we're talking about the legal system, if we're talking about land, if we're talking about whatever. Those are very limited resources yeah. <laughs> that we're talking about. There's give and take. This isn't. This is. This is like a zero sum thing. Like if someone gets something, that means it goes away from somewhere else. And so like th- those are real things that we have to think about as we're talking about justice. But that's so that's why I think we can't just say oh this thing at all costs mm-hmm. or this thing at no cost. Like it's it's going to play out in some way with the cost. Uh, someone's already bearing that. Maybe that needs to those those scales need to tip. But but also we have to be very mindful of maintaining our Christian ethic mm-hmm. um, as we're walking. about otherwise, like we are are not and won't be the thing that we think God wants us to be down the road. All right. So what is uh, so I guess like maybe in light of that, what what would we say? Exodus is saying to us, what is it not saying around justice? Because sometimes it's I mean we talk about these things, but if there's things that we need to declare or say. Like, what would be those things? What is it saying? What isn't it saying? Just to make that and stuff crystal clear. Just some general observations with that is, first of all, I think it's just from a 30,000 foot level, it's saying it, this is tricky stuff. Like, it's it's God's talking about this because the people struggled with this. Mm-hmm. And it was present because we're all broken to an extent. We all struggle. We all have selfishness. And it's easy to want the upper hand and to oppress, maybe not even trying to hurt someone, but it's because we, we want to benefit. And we want to grow and to put the community down maybe at our benefit. So it's tricky and it's, it's, it's hard to know how to engage. The second thing is it's real. Mm-hmm. God's telling the community this because he's seeing it happen. Yeah. And, and, and the third thing is like that we should think from this is that there is a right way to engage God's mm-hmm. community of people 
when we look at justice, are to th- think like this or mm-hmm. to engage like this. There's a right and certainly a wrong way that God's people are to engage in these things. And so, like, again, 30,000 of you, it's tricky because we're, the world's broken. It's real, though. At the same time, we have to care about it and we have to think on it. And then God's people engage a certain way. Yeah, that's great. I'll start with what it's not doing or what it's not saying. It's not tearing down 21st century societal structures. That's that's not what... Mm-hmm. If you open the Bible and you start there, like you should stop doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it gets... I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it gets there, but yeah. it doesn't start there. Um, and, and it's also not... not um, not starting with the viewpoint of 21st century absolutely um, mm-hmm. individuals or, or or group dynamics or any other thing but um, I'll say what it is saying this is basically in jest what the sermon will probably be like but I think it's worth saying um, we get to so God's covenant community gets to share responsibility to live justly by loving neighbor and I think that shared responsibility is it took um, it took me a while to get there to like oh gosh it is like a collaborative effort to share the responsibility uh, to live justly by loving neighbor, no matter where we are. Mm-hmm. And, and to the, the ends not being, if, if Jesus wanted to eliminate poverty, he probably wouldn't have said, hey, the poor are always going to be with you. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Yeah. Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. He, want, he, want, he didn't like, he, yeah, I think you said it. I, I won't reiterate. But just, yeah. just yeah. the idea of... Like it's it's not that everything is equal in the end. Mm-hmm. It's that that we live righteously, uh, loving, compassionate, and and letting truth um, dictate what is just. Yeah. Like. Yeah. No. I would just I would add to that like people's value is not connected to their possessions or what they own absolutely. or their social status, mm-hmm. and so that is a that's a glorious gospel truth, mm-hmm. right? And so like just to. I don't know. If you yeah, more no, to for say, sure. But I think that's like an important thing to say is like just because someone is lower or higher on a rung, like, well, how could you say? Well, what do you mean? Like, God doesn't want everyone to have this? Well, because God doesn't view their worth or their their part or their their place in His family and His kingdom based on you know what's in their bank account. That's mm-hmm. that's not how He values people. You know? Yeah. To to that end, you know, we're uh, I'm heading to Guatemala next week and. One of the precautions of Mitch, I don't know that I've said this on a podcast, maybe I did, but um, was like, man, we don't want to do things that make them feel like they're poor mm-hmm. um, because they they would identify being poor in a much different way than you would. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I think there's a, a, like a strong likelihood that you can put their life, which looks drastically different by any American standard, you would say, oh gosh, that's poor. And you yeah. put, you know, the average American next to them, and if we if we got out uh, the right scorecard, um, we would be the poor ones, you know. Yeah. Which is that's kingdom ethic. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's consistent with with Jesus, and, and so just as a call in response to share responsibility to live justly by loving neighbor, we get to lift the lowly. Uh, I think it is telling us to do that in whatever, yeah. you know, whatever um, influence that we have, we get to right the wrong. Mm-hmm. And that is a little dicey, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's dicey because it, it talks about righting our own wrongs, which the majority of it is right your wrong, mm-hmm. but but there's like this this thing that you know, and that's a big deal when you talk about this conversation and reparations and all the things yeah. that like okay, righting the wrong of an individual versus community uh, corporate righting wrongs of historical oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but like you know, if you if you see your animal, if you see your neighbor neighbor's animal. Um, 
like out and about, then you need to take it to your neighbor. Yeah. And like it would be such an easy thing to say, not my problem. <laughs> he should have had it. Yeah. Whatever. It's his fault. He yeah. says if if you see if you see the ox under mm-hmm. like burden, like relieve it from its burden. Like yeah. I'm not sure even what that means. Like <laughs> I, I I I thought like I'm taking a jog through the neighborhood, and a and a neighbor's dog is like caught up in its leash. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's like yeah. Hey, yeah. you should like you should like let it you know whatever. Now that would probably lead to me being sued in the current cultural climate <laughs> somehow. You know like don't touch my dog. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted it that way. Stay off my yard. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like so, lift up the lowly, right the wrong, and then then care for your neighbor. Yeah. Like. That's pretty simple, but I, I literally think that's what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Gosh, like he, I think he's the Lord is calling us, to, trying to show. Well, first of all, show us that he cares about justice. Like mm-hmm. that matters to the Lord. I think that's like one of the big things. He, he wants to create a just people, and he wants that people to be a light to the nations. You know, like we when we walk through Micah. I mean, that was one of the biggest things. Is like the people are going should see God's people. And, and want to flock there because the law is so beautiful and so wise and justice just flows from it that they should be flocking, you know, to the church to figure out, ah, like, oh, this is what righteousness looks like, you know? So, like, that's what he wants. He, he cares about those things. And right now, like, he's trying to paint a way for his people then as he is now a way for us to live justly in an unjust world, in a fallen world. We live in the, the already and the not yet. And so, like, I think one of the things to alleviate those who like care deeply so much about this stuff and injustice is that like a lack of of perfection or a lack of perfect justice or whatever in the world, a lack of equity, like that is not a failure of the church um, in some way. You know what I mean? That that's not necessarily your personal failure. Now maybe you've like <laughs> I don't know, like maybe you've not cared and you're actively not caring. But, like that's one thing. But I think for for those of you who are deeply caring and concerned about this stuff, like. Like the fact that everything's not fixed yet isn't a concession mm-hmm. to isn't a concession to injustice. I don't think Jesus was conceding to injustice when he said the poor will always be with us. Like that's not no. what he meant. Um, we live in the already and not yet. Some of us need to live as if we're in that already. You know what I mean? And that the church should be like the kingdom uh, that is here that God did start. And we also can't pretend like we can bring heaven down right now either. Like that's the thing too. We're in the not yet. Um, yeah, and, and to kind of hit on something you brought up, Michael, like uh, to, to quote Thomas Sowell, who some people will be surprised I'll quote, um, but like, man, like not all difference or disparity is, is due to some sort of injustice or discrimination. Like difference is sometimes just there, you yeah. know? And so that's not a thing that we always need to hop in and, and address right away. But what is true is that all injustice that actually is there, it flows from idolatry. And so, like, even just to remember where we're at in Exodus and where this flows from, like, we have the Ten Commandments, of which we begin with, like, ain't no other God but me, you know? <laughs> like, you're going to worship me. Don't even make other idols. Like, I'm not even supposed to be around other gods. Like, don't, don't put me in their presence. Um, and so, for us then to see, like, okay, this is how this fleshes out uh, in society and these kind of case laws um, in Exodus 21 through 23, like we, we just have to remember that like all injustice flows from idolatry. If we're mm-hmm. worshiping the Lord, if we're receiving our dignity as image bearers, our vocation as image bearers, and how he's called us to live, then justice will flow. Mm-hmm. And when we refuse and reject to worship him and love him and, and follow his commands, like then in, injustice will flow from yeah. us. And so for us to tie... Like, injustice to idolatry is incredibly significant. 
Um, and while we don't, uh, again, like zero sum stuff when it comes to money and uh, judicial system and all sorts of other things, like th there's always a cost, there's always, you know, back and forth and that tension to live in. There's not when it comes to human dignity and grace and, and the goodness of the gospel and those things. That's like we, when we dive into those things, that's a well, an unending well that we can tap into forever. And it's, you know, when Peter and John see the, uh, the guy that can't walk, you know, at the gate of the temple and, um, the guy looks at him expecting to get something from Peter and John. Like, I'm sorry, I don't have any money <laughs> to give you. But but what I do have is this. Like, and tells him about Jesus, get up and walk. And the the point of that is not that, oh, he is all better now, prosperity gospel stuff. It's that he was able to then go into the temple and worship the Lord. And that should be, I think, our heart. Um, big picture for the way that we engage justice here is it doesn't end when everything seems fair or feels like the scales are balanced. Hmm. Um, the scales can be balanced and people's eyes still not be fixed on the Lord. Uh, and so worship should be our end and our aim for all of this stuff. And I think that that is what that is in Exodus because of where it's placed and what it flows from, which is the, the Ten Commandments, God's presence with his people and commanding what's good and promising that he's going to be with them uh, and all those things. So, yeah, I don't know. It's good, man. Um, all right, so we're going to close out this part one uh, bit here in just a second. But um, just real quick, like, um, how is, I guess, our our focus as pastors of a church, knowing that Exodus was directed towards, you know, God's people, that was his audience, um, as he was writing that, and even just, like, Christian's priority uh, given by God to address things in-house. Again, this is like, these are laws for Israel, not for everyone else. Um and how does this stuff, I guess, shape the way that we strive as pastors or maybe just as, as you know, followers of Jesus to like take this and be doers of the word, not just like hear stuff and like, oh, that's neat. But like, how does this actually shape the way that we live? In one way, I mean, we, how we focus it is well, we, we can't control how the world thinks or what the world does. So we are responsible for the people of the village church, us mm -hmm. specifically. And I think one of the ways is we just get to teach on like on Sunday and through classes, Scott, like you've been a part of with, you know, gender and sexuality or, or politics or whatever, is we get to teach on what the Bible says about those things and then not necessarily say do this specific thing, mm -hmm. but say it then equip people to think rightly to then go into their neighborhood or their sphere of influence and then live out of the, that thinking, mm -hmm. that right thinking of the Bible. And I think that's the biggest way we can connect with our church, um, shepherd our church in light of doing. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I think it, before the doing, we have to demystify and like all oh, these, like if you're not, if you're not savvy to any of these conversations or or books or resources or or thoughts or like, gosh, and then it can just look like everyone's shooting everyone, and you're just like, I literally, what is like you've been in a coma and you you come out, you know, fifty years later, and you're just like, why are everybody looking at those blocks in their hand? You yeah. know, like just. Uh, a, a phone. That's the blocks in their hand is a phone. Um, but like, so we get to demystify and clarify, and we get to unify. Mm -hmm. And and I think the the truths that allow us to do that are that that Jesus is the good shepherd, and we get to just start there. And mm -hmm. I, I think you know when we pray as staff Monday morning, um, we usually pray something like that. Like mm -hmm. we're not we're not Jesus, but we get to do whatever we get to do. And so. Jesus is the good shepherd. We are under shepherds of that. And so we get to, um, as we say as elders, care for and mobilize 
by knowing, feeding, leading, and protecting. And man, as it relates to these cultural issues, um, we get to be informed about what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. But really, man, we get to lean in and we get to bear with and weep with and mourn with and, and learn from and, and, and pray for and all those things, the people that are here. Yeah. And, and so I think uh, just like in terms of doing, we get to inform minds. We get to stir hearts and, and create space to engage hands in the good works of loving, loving neighbor and living justly. Yeah. Well, how do you, I, I don't know how we do that. One day at a time, one mm-hmm. step, you know, we're figuring it out. Yeah. And this podcast is honestly part of that, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, again, like experientially for me and also others that I know who've like, man, I, I need to care more about this stuff. Like what tends to happen is we plug into uh, all sorts of things happening around the world and bigger voices that are outside of what's happening here in your community and all sorts of other stuff. And that's good. Like exposure is good. I would say I would encourage folks to listen to diverse voices and don't be a, like the truth is not at stake when you listen to someone who is maybe disagrees with you or doesn't get everything in the scripture or whatever, like be discerning and those things. But like, man, so listen to stuff. But then at the end of the day, like I think we can, we can end up like going so far to big picture and you know, everything is kind of abstract in a sense. How do I deal with these systems or this history or this whatever in such a way? And it's like, like we need to come back down to like, open up your scriptures, uh, talk and talk to your neighbor, like know what's going on in your city. Like what are the ailments of your, of your community? Yeah. You know, what's going on there? What are the injustices happening there? What's happening in your church? You know, who, who God has called us to, I think, love and prioritize more mm-hmm. uh, and above, you know, other folks as well. And so what, what is going on here that you can be a part of, that you can be a gospel presence to, that you can maybe help tangibly with something in some way, but to like get out of our heads and the hypothetical and all that and like get our hands dirty by just loving the people yeah. that are around us. Um, and I think we'll realize like even all the stuff we listened to and all the stuff we read and all that history, like might be helpful. It probably is helpful, but it, but it's insufficient <laughs> when it comes to like actually talking to the folks in your city or around you about that stuff. And it does, it should drive us to prayer, to the gospel, to dependence on the Lord. When we start doing that work, if our, our minds and our hearts are bent around again, wanting worship, um, at the end of the day as like our, our highest goal, um, yeah, and the other thing too is like if you feel in your heart, uh, Michael kind of hit on this earlier. Like, you you have to start cutting out who have been faithful voices um, pastorally, or if it brings you to like questioning the scriptures and like, well, I don't know if I can follow a God who you know whatever, um, or just even within the church. Like, like if you're pointing fingers at the church in like a, a divisive way, or if you find yourself constantly pointing fingers and angry about what people are doing outside of the church, what even Christians maybe, um, then I just think we like we're we're missing it a little bit. Um, like prophetic voices and all that stuff, they in the scriptures largely like prophets spoke to God's people <laughs> to illuminate truth that they either needed or were missing in some way. And so yeah, if you want to to have some influence and all that stuff within the church that's positive for the building up of God's church and kingdom and those things. Like, don't let it be a voice that tears down mm-hmm. the church, that destroys and dismantle. Like, you don't have to dismantle the church, you know. Uh, th- there are things that need to be dismantled. Like, injustice, dismantle it for sure. Like, if there are things that need to be exposed, sure, expose them. But, like, man, there's also a, a way of going about that that, like, 
shows that you're for Jesus, that you're for his people, um, that you're not just like walking in guns blazing, you know, going at stuff within the church or outside the church too. So like we get to let ourselves be refined and then not say, man, I wish everyone in the church knew what I knew and thought what I thought and cared about what I think about. Like if we find ourselves in that place, that's a dangerous place, not so much for everyone else as it is for you. And so just to be mindful of like, man, Jesus is the hero in this stuff. And he calls us to live in the here and now in a way that despite what our ends might be, like the means have to be just as sanctified and holy. So I'd also encourage people not to view how they live this out on a daily basis as insignificant Mm. because I think it'd be easy to see these big systems. Like you just said, Scott, big movements, laws, government, systems in place and to be like, well, I'll never be able to yeah. break yeah. this down and all of a sudden to think, well, me living faithfully in my neighborhood, serving at mm-hmm. an organization, caring for someone who is less fortunate than me right around the corner as like, well, that's not really going to change the world. But that's what that's what God yeah. calls us to. He doesn't call me necessarily to, to change continents. He calls right. me to say, gosh, what are you doing here today? How are you being faithful with the things I've given you? And that might feel very insignificant to all the sphere and the scope of the injustice in the world. But at the same time, that, that might be what it looks like. Yeah. That can be another form of pragmatism, honestly, yeah. where it's like, if I can't have an impact, if I don't, yeah. then like, what, what what value is this or whatever? Yeah. And it's like, well, so you're looking over top of the people going to the food pantry or the folks that need counsel and the legal system here in the city or what, like whatever, like mm-hmm. fill in the blank of whatever it is. You're looking over top of all those people and saying, well, because I can't really do anything about this big thing, like, ah, this work really isn't worth it. And it's yeah. like, no, again, it goes back to that that dignifying work, seeing Imago Day and people, yeah. loving them, sharing hope with them that goes beyond a legal system or beyond a bank account or beyond a whatever. Like, that is, that's eternal work yeah. that's far more significant. Um, not that it's, that's un- that the other stuff is unimportant, but that bit is like, is eternally significant in a way that, that apart from worship, and again, that heart for, you know, doing things in Christ's name, like it, it it's just not the same, you know? Yeah. So, cool. Well, we're going to stop this conversation here, push pause, let you guys digest some of that stuff. Uh, we'll come back in the next episode and get into some more nitty gritty, like specific ideas um, about some social justice stuff that we just want to explore with you all. Um, yeah, so hope this has been helpful so far. Again, if you've not listened to the Slavery in Scripture podcast, encourage you to do that as well. Um, that's in the, the Exodus kind of sermon supplement uh, formed a podcast uh, series, a little mini series that we're doing. Um, yeah, but we'll wrap up this conversation and come back uh, with you next time.